Welcome to this bonus episode of the BYC Podcast featuring a day four recap by acclaimed cricket scribe and BYC Podcast guest, Andrew Alderson. Well, Andrew Alderson, live from Leeds again after another enthralling day, day four of the third test at Headingley. Just a quick recap, New Zealand 329 and 326, England 360 and 183 for two, needing 113 runs with eight wickets on hand on the final day. And orders kind of emblematic of this tour for New Zealand, totally dominated the first session. Well, not so much dominated, but, uh, you know, did brilliantly well in the first session. And England took the last two sessions and now stand on the cusp of an of a unanticipated whitewash. Yeah, it's going to be strange if it's called at, at 3-0, given that it, it, you know, this, it, the margins haven't been much, but England have won, as you say, all the key moments. And I just wonder, you know, heading into that uh, final day, what New Zealand have got in store. I mean, they've been able to have it. I don't think they've really been able to capitalise on a new ball like they did in the first innings, of course, with the you know, 55 for six scenario. They managed to scrape out a, a run out, terrific alley-oop from, from Williamson at mid-off to, to Bolt uh, to get rid of uh, Alex Lees. And then Bracewell managed to get uh, Crawley chipping to mid-off. But uh, it just feels like the advantage is slipping here. Joe Roots played beautifully. So is Ollie Pope. And it keeps we keep harking back to it the whole time. I still can't really work out why AJS Patel wasn't selected for this game. Yeah, look, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm, I was going to mention that this will happen in a... Uh inexperienced player's career. Um, so I don't want to condemn the guy for it, but it was a very, it was a torrid day for Michael Bracewell. In fact, it's been a torrid test, holding out on the boundary when he's batting with an established guy looking for a century and then, you know, incapable of stemming two very good batsmen, uh, two very fluent batsmen. And like you mentioned before, I was just watching that TV going, where is AJ's? Look, the evidence stacks up for Ajaz. I feel. I mean, that he is, he's bowled. I know he was injured a little bit over summer. I'm not sure we've played at Hagley anyway. Um, but he's bowled two overs in the last seven tests after taking this ten foot in Mumbai. I just, I can't fathom what that is. The, the thinking behind that. But um, it's, I, I feel awkward for Michael Bracewell. I mean, he does. I don't think he necessarily has the tools. Equipment. He's been asked to do this job. Um, he's coming to the side, he's, he's an experienced cricketer. I mean, he's got 11 years first-class experience. That's mainly as a batter rather than a, an off-spin bowler. That's relatively late in the piece. He's coming to a test with uh, 30 wickets, first-class wickets at average of 46.8. Uh, and then is, is taking on an England side that is in is absolute pomp. And they're, they're sensing vulnerability, a weakness there. And they're going for him. And he, he's going, at, I think, what over sixes at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, this, this raises an interesting question. New Zealand are on the cusp of losing their fourth test in a row uh, and well, it would be their fifth and seven. Uh, it hasn't been a good tour. A lot of selections have been questionable from the outset. They lost to a scratch side in a warm-up match. Uh, do they need a new voice? And I'm not going to condemn Gary Stead because he's taken New Zealand to world finals, he's won a world test championship. But these things tend to have cycles and I... I do look at that team. You can't overhaul, radically overhaul the playing group because there's just not the depth in New Zealand cricket. So I, I, I wonder, is it the right time to ask if there needs to be a change of voice at the top there? 
Yeah, I just wonder if it's, if it's a touch knee, Duke. I'm not sure. I mean, Steve has got a proven record there, as does Williamson, uh, over a period of time. And, I mean, yes, it's building. It's building, and you, and you don't want to, I guess, make the move too late. But, uh, I, I, yeah, the, the personnel seems to be there. You're right. I mean, uh, I mean, Gary Steve does have this record. And I, I'm, I'm loathe to sort of bring the knee up uh, suddenly on it and... and uh, Perhaps not give them a wee bit more time to, to, to re-establish uh, the scenario. Well, that's a very good point you, you raise. And look, I I feel a little bit easier saying it about Gary C because he will find work. He will be in demand. He's a quality coach who's done amazing things with a limited talent pool. But but when is too late? Yeah, I think you'd be looking maybe T20 World Cup down the track, potentially. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think when his contract uh, goes until it'll be next year's uh, World Cup, I suspect. But uh, maybe they just need to have a bit more innovative thinking or they'll sit around a table and just work out better plans or, or better strategies as to how they cope in, in this sort of scenario because uh, England have certainly, you know, have, have, it's been a, a, a blitz really. They've, they've, it's, it's that case of outthinking and, and just outpointing tactically. I mean, you look at how, for instance, you know, Jack Leach and uh, his new sort of emboldened career now, he's taken this 10 for 166 across this game. Uh, and it's, it just seems to me that it's about, I guess, bringing the best out of, of the players. And they maybe need to sit around and think about that. And, and you also got to think too, are these players, some of these players, is it almost two years past their peaks as well, um, where yeah. they came to this point and, and, where they've taken this team to the coaching staff and also the captaincy and the playing personnel themselves is, is extraordinary. And we, I think our expectations are so much more now. Yeah. And I mean, if that is the case, that's a more fundamental worry, isn't it? Because New Zealand doesn't um, scoop from a particularly deep talent pool. Uh, these guys, have the core of them have come up together at the same time. So if we are seeing the back end of that peak, that's going to put a lot of emphasis on the 2022-23 Plunkett Shield. Uh, It'll put a lot of emphasis on any future A tours. So it'll be fascinating to see what comes out of that. But we mustn't forget, uh, New Zealand are not without hope going into the fifth day. What needs to happen for them to to take eight wickets uh, for around about 100 runs? Well, that's right. I feel like we're condemning them before the event. And I think that, you know, before there's actually that clean sweep, and this team has fought back from numerous situations in the past, I think one of the issues will be getting to that second new ball, if they can. Um, it, it's just, I don't, I don't think they, as I say, maximised it with the, with the first one. But, uh, you know, the way that Root and Pope are playing, and then after that you've got uh, Bearstow, Stokes, um, Jamie Overton in top form as well with 97 on his debut. Uh, they're not going to be a short side short of confidence, but maybe they can eke out a wicket or two on that basis. But will they be able to eke out the entire England batting lineup? That's the uh, the key because there's not a lot to play with now. 113 runs, uh, it's going to require something special. Yeah, and uh, just a quick word before you go, Andrew. I, I don't know what more superlatives we can draw down on, but uh, Mitchell and Blundell. Uh, Mitchell was nowhere near it as his best. Um, like that was a innings completely lacking fluency, but it had a lot of stickability and grit to it. Whereas Blundell, on the other hand, uh, he looked at every bit of top order player. Oh, look, 
I think that the, the way those two have held together in the series and have stepped up and uh, cemented their spots in the playing 11 has been, uh, been the highlight, really. I mean, Mitchell's going to have these 538 runs. I mean, the, 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 the most in a three series or fewer, three tests or fewer in, in England by any batsman across 142 years. And he's going to be on a losing side, potentially. Well, he's on a losing side already with the series. But, uh, yeah, just um, I'm prepared to forgive him. I mean, he's still got to 56 today and, and bundled to 88, not out. Uh, just the consistency has been remarkable. Well, thank you very much, um, Andrew. We'll have one more of these tomorrow. We'll let you get back to your what's become now your go-to curry house. And the, um, <laughs> is it in Central or Northern Leeds you're at at the moment? Oh, I'm up. I'm further north. I'm I'm in the uh, the Village North Hotel, and okay. uh, it's, it's delivering. But I, it's just it's sort of about a 25 minute walk back from uh, from Headingley. So uh, I thought I'd just pop into a curry house on the way home and get myself some, uh, you know, some nourishment. <laughs> And regular BYC listeners would be interested to know whether you had a chance to catch up with one Tony Elston Blaine. I have indeed. And uh, he's in terrific form. And uh, I actually have an interview for you. So you'll be able to play that out of your BYC podcast in due course once I can file it through. I can't wait. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Um, Brilliant stuff. Look forward to talking tomorrow. Good stuff.